Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This set, I'm on mic three, Pierre. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, just trying to um, see. We've got all mics on. It's I very know, the, it's You've, a full studio. It's your last show, so we thought we'd start with a technical fault just to go out in true Pierre style. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. I knew that was coming, uh, listeners. But um, anyway, yes, welcome. Uh, Everyone, and you, um, you are listening to Asia Pacific Currents. This is the last show for 2021. It's also Pierre's last show forever. Pierre believes that he might come back every now and again, but as I will be holding the keys to the studio, I can guarantee that that won't be happening. And Giselle, I've just turned off your mic, as was suggested by one of the other panellists here, which I thought was a really good idea. But just had um, to figure out which one it was. That, that's exactly. That's a. Yeah, yeah, now you're on again. So, <laughs> so just be aware of that. That uh, I've. I've That's got the power p- is still there for a few more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And that was um, the thanks for Annie for another uh, very interesting program of Solidarity Breakfast and that um, very good uh, song, really, of the Pogues, uh, Christmas, which we're having a debate about some of the language being used, but we were too busy nattering away to really listen to it properly. But it sounded very nice. Now, yeah, yeah, it's a classic song. I'm a fan just, of that song. Just oh. before I give everybody an opportunity to introduce themselves and before we get right into the show this week, it is Pierre's last show and we are having a farewell for him at 9.30 to 11 o'clock at Ara Cafe, which is next door to 3CR. It's number 15, Smith Street, Collingwood. Um, free coffees for all of Asia Pacific Currents listeners and supporters. So if you're sitting at home and you can get here before 11 o'clock, please do. Please come and meet us. Um, and have an opportunity to speak to Pierre. We know that he was everybody's favourite and uh, he he's going know. down in uh, a blaze of less than glory. So come along at 9.30 at Ara Cafe, which is 15 Smith Street, and free coffees for all of our listeners and supporters. That's right. And you can't miss Giselle. She's, ba- she's got a dress on that's basically rainbow colours, so uh, <laughs> she really stands out. So that's, that's good. But uh, yes, yes. I mean, interesting how they've actually everyone's interpreted what I'm doing. I just said I was going to stop doing Asia-Pacific Currents on a... Uh, on an ongoing basis, given that I've got 30 years. Um, I never actually said retirement just because I know that uh, you never know what you're going to do in 12 months' time. Wish mm-hmm. It was wishful thinking on everybody's part, Pierre. So, you know, can oh, you, can you, you blame pro- us? Where's, where's, where's the tissues here? The, John Farnham type of uh, retirement. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But anyway, anyway, yes, thank you. Now, I've totally lost my train of thought, but that's all right because this is the last show anyway for the year. And we are going to come back. Uh, well, I'm not, but all these people are going to come back 
Do you know when the first show in February is? Can we remember? First uh, f- I'll look it up. But I, I don't think uh, everybody's had a chance to introduce themselves no, no, yet this they morning. Haven't. Anyway, I'm, I'm Pierre. I'm James. And I'm Jodie. And I'm Giselle. And I am going to tell you when our first show for 2022 is. It is Saturday the 5th of February. There you go. There you go. So you've got a long time to... Uh, to have your summer break, or if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, have a winter's break. But that's And of course, Giselle, the show is brought to you every week by... It, the show's brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms, which I understand Pierre is still going to control because... You know, when you have the control, the appetite for control, you can't really give it up, I believe. What can I say We're just to that, good old-fashioned uh, communists here on uh, Asia-Pacific Currents. That's right, that's right. <laughs> the, oh, the insults are coming thick and fast. Thick, and I thought this was going to be a nice... Fast. Yes, anyway. I don't know why you thought that. What gave you that idea? Because I'm an optimist and I believe, you know, as a communist, I believe in a better future. <laughs> so that's why... Um, anyway, comrades, anyway, listeners, um, so on today's program, we're going to have our usual news roundup, but also at, uh, in the last half, we're actually going to have a bit of a, um, look back at the year and some of the big stories and some of the issues. And, um, I don't think I'll give out a secret. We'll probably mention COVID as well during the second half of the year. But anyway, we'll go to the first uh, news item here and it's my they've given me most of the news stories all these slackers here on this program but well, anyway well listener we did we gave you most of the news stories because you're off you're off mike <laughs> don't worry Giselle. you're <laughs> off mike <laughs> we wanted uh, you to hear no one as can, much no one can listen to you you're actually true Giselle can't can't actually stop herself even told i've told that her mic is off she just kept talking Anyway, let's go to the first news round. If I can have some discipline, discipline, comrades. Um, we go off to a very, very sad story, unfortunately, off to Malaysia. Where, um, the sinking on Wednesday of this week of a boat off the coast of Peninsula Malaysia's Johor State, um, um, Johor State, I think it's, uh, carrying migrant workers from Indonesia has once again highlighted the precarity that millions of workers face on a daily basis. The boat was carrying 60 Indonesian workers who were seeking work in Malaysian factories and plantations. So far, 11 bodies have been recovered, while another 25 people are missing. Labor activists estimate that somewhere between 100,000 to 200,000 Indonesian travel illegally to Malaysia each year in search of jobs. In our region, millions of migrant workers in countries like Thailand, Malaysia, South Korea, Japan and, of course, Australia are forced to work in dangerous and underpaid jobs due to um, work visas restrictions that restrict their right to residence and ability to organise. All right, I'm up next. So we're in Myanmar. On Friday, the 10th of December, the... The capital city, Yangon, the second biggest city, Mandalay, and towns across the, and I'm going to murder this, Saigang, Bago, and Awadi, um, and Wagwi regions, as well as Shan State, all fell silent as workers took part in a silent strike that was called by the anti-military coup resistance. This day away method of resistance was developed due to the brutally the brutality and the killings by the military against any public show of dissent and protest. 
At least 1,500 people have been killed by the military since the February coup, with widespread arrests continuing. In the last week, armed actions and confrontations between the military and the armed resistance have continued to multiply. Clashes were recorded in Yangon, Mandalay and the Karen and Shan states, Mawabi town, a garrison township and multiple towns in the Saging region. That's right, Jodie. You will get very good at that. Giselle gave me the hardest one, honestly. I do want to say, though, you did exceptionally well. That was pretty tricky. Well done. And the fact that Giselle gave you the hardest one, well, I'm sorry. Just get used to it. Yeah, well, that's why we need you to stay, Pierre. I don't want to become the new Pierre. (laughs) I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Certainly not a compliment of me. Uh, We now go to to Iran, where thousands of teachers uh, this week protested in front of the Iranian parliament building in central Tehran to demand justice and the release from prison of Mr. Rasul Badagi, a leading teacher trade unionist. This protest was part of a coordinated two days of protests that saw tens of thousands of teachers stage rallies in front of headquarters of education authorities in 25 provinces and 60 cities across Iran. The protests were organised by the Coordinating Council of Educators Teachers Association, CCTA for short, to protest against the non-implementation of a teacher job evaluation scheme, uh, as well as the failure to bring about the proper equalisation of pensions for retired teachers. The demands also included the call for the immediate and unconditional release of Mr Badagi, and other imprisoned uh, teacher activists, as well as the cessation of the summoning and take illegal action against trade union activists. In other unrelated uh, labour news, Lila Hosenzadeh, a student leader, and Hirad Pigodagi, a labour activist connected with the Haftapa sugarcane workers' stru- uh, struggle, have also been recently arrested. Iranian worker activists and independent workers' organisations have launched a global appeal for solidarity action, actions to support these imprisoned workers. To Turkey now, where the economic woes are hitting workers hard. This year, the Turkish lira has lost around 50% of its value against the US dollar, while the annual inflation rate has now ticked over to 20%, though many researchers believe that increases in the prices of food and rent and energy have been much higher. Given the government's repression against trade unions organising and any political dissent, with thousands of opponents languishing in Turkish jails, the effects of this economic crisis are being felt hardest by the working class communities. One clear indication of this pressure can be seen in the ever-lengthening queues outside subsidised bakeries in all major Turkish cities. For those who aren't aware, there is subsidised bread programs in Turkey, which are around about half the price, about nine cents for a baguette, and usually most Turkish people eat about one baguette a day. So the bread is a major staple for many workers, even though the price of subsidised bread is only a few cents lower than that at normal bakeries. For many working class families, every cent has become important. Local municipalities are trying to increase production of subsidised bread, but many believe that even a tripling of the current production will not be able to satisfy the ever-growing hunger to be found in working-class families. That's a a really telling comment. And um, just, uh, I think, overnight, or maybe uh, yesterday, the uh, president of Turkey, President Erdogan, announced, um, just out of the blue, um, a a 50% increase in the minimum wage to um, come in effect uh, next year, which um, punters believe will just come into effect just before the, the, election. the elections. Yeah. 
So, obviously a coincidence. Yes. Um, let's see. Next um, one is me. There you go. Um, we now go to Pakistan, where millions of garment workers in Sindh province in Pakistan thought that their life was going to improve when on the 9th of July, so quite a few months ago, the Sindh provincial government announced a 40% increase to the minimum wage, raising it from 17,000 17, rupees to 25,000 rupees, which um, works out to a monthly um, wage of about 140 US dollars. Unfortunately, the government... Uh, factory owners launched an appeal to the Supreme Court and in October the court ruled that the provincial government should conduct a review so it was put on hold. While the final judgment is expected in January, interestingly an interim order was issued by the Supreme Court this week stating that employers must, must pay arrears to workers at around um, $100 US dollars per month or the equivalent. Employers have said they are refusing to do this and workers have initiated a campaign of local actions to advance their case and actually to get this money that's owed to them. This issue is on top of the crisis that has hit the garment sector in the last two years um, around the region and also in Pakistan where researchers have estimated that workers have lost many millions of dollars in wages due to um, wage theft. And our last story for... Uh, today's show and for 2021 is an update on the story that we brought you a couple of weeks ago about the independence vote in New Caledonia. (coughs) Uh, So the third and supposedly last vote on the question of independence for the French colony of New Caledonia has plunged the country into a political impasse instead of resolving the issue. The first two referendums held in 2018 and 2020 delivered record turnouts over 80%, with support for independence rising from 43.3% to 46.7% respectively. Just 10,000 votes separated the two sides in 2020. Last Sunday's vote was boycotted by many organisations, especially ones from the Kanak Indigenous populations, and that's consistent with what Nick McClellan told us in that interview two weeks ago. Um, They had asked for the referendum to be delayed due to the ongoing effects of COVID-19 pandemic and basically the inability to campaign and um, cohere the forces of the Kanaks. The French government nevertheless went ahead and while the vote for independence dropped to less than 4%, the reality was it turned out just over 40% was less than half than the previous two votes. It's unclear what the political process will be now, but APC will certainly be following this in the new year. And that brings us to the end of the news roundup. We'll have a community announcement and we'll be back looking back at, uh, at this year. 20 Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. 20 Years on the Inside, I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcasts. 20 Years on the Inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration. A lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. 
You know, it's how you love your family. It's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. That's what that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the Three CR website or on your favorite podcast app. Solidarity for you. It is 17 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Of course, the whole panel, Pierre, was talking about who was going to replace you next year. And I, I think they mean the butt of all my jokes. I think that was uh, a, a line towards the door, actually, <laughs> the door, actually. But um, anyway, we are. It is uh, 17 minutes past uh, nine o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents. So, the year. Uh, what comments have we got? Well, to... I was going to ask you. I mean, right. this is you your last me. show. Uh, you've been doing APC for, what, 30 years now. Um, what are your highlights from this year? And, and highlights, I, I actually just mean things that stand out because, of course, some of the things that stand out were actually lowlights in the um, workers' movement. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, um, there's lots of uh, issues. And actually, in the news roundup for this week, um, you know, in the last couple of days, there's been another upsurge in violence and repression in Palestine. So that, you know, just didn't um, cover for today, because, but we've covered it so much already. So, you know, that's an ongoing huge issue. But um, the, I think the issue that... that struck me i'm actually going to take a bit of a, a a wide view of the region and you know and open it up to to people because i mean the reality is um the the labor movement uh faces repression we do great struggles you know sometimes we've had uh, you know especially in india massive strikes not we didn't have one this year but you know of 100 million workers so there's some fantastic movements out out there but i think the to me what um, um, st- is stuck in my mind is that for the labour movement, the COVID pandemic has really put pressure on us. I mean, certainly a lot of workers were affected by the pandemic, but also by the restrictions of work, you know, wage theft, the the, the authoritarian nature of um, of governments. And I don't think that as a movement... We actually talked about um, well enough. How do we organise in a in a pandemic? And I think that if you look at at it, I mean, I just talked about the garment workers. They've had literally, if you look at it, hundreds of millions of dollars have been stolen from them to the workers. We've actually gone backwards. This has been another case where the capitalists didn't plan it. We didn't plan it. It just happened, but it got used against us. And I don't think as a movement we have actually discussed that enough, that I think that we're actually, compared to two years ago, we're actually even further behind now. So I would take that a little bit further, Pierre. I think the pandemic is just symptomatic of a world in crisis. I don't think you can um, engage in <clears throat> that much political, sorry, environmental degradation. I'm talking about climate change. And for pandemics not to be a regular now feature in people's lives. 
I think for me what um, marked 2021 particularly was the global rise of the alt-right, that it wasn't just a concentration in one country or another, that it was actually uh, global Uh, in some cases unrelated, in other cases related, so actual international organising. And a lot of people um, have put the question, you know, how do we defeat them, etc. And I actually think the reason that the right has had so much success and the left hasn't is because the right knows what they're fighting for. We actually don't know what we're fighting for. We say things like, we have a world to win. People have heard that Mark said that, so they repeat that. But what is the actual world that is to be won? Is it to overthrow or defeat capitalism? Is it to um, have the best possible situation under capitalism? I I think the right knows what they want. They actually want to wipe out the current system and replace it with their authoritarian system and the left doesn't have a united view about that. Um, I would add to that, Giselle, and, and say, you know, in a sense, the right is trying to maintain what they've got and erode more, whereas we're trying to fundamentally change the system. So I think that's I think we've got the harder job. Um, but also just going off what you said, Pierre, around you know the movements conversations or not having the conversations around how can we organise in a pandemic. I think um, a big part of that was we didn't even hold the line on certain things, and it wasn't until like we've now kind of reflecting. So even and it happened in a lot a lot of the Asia-Pacific, including here, the demarcation between essential and non-essential workers, I mean, that to me is just another way to divide the working class. And, you know, and, and it was successful pitting us against each other. So the essential workers were kind of out there on the front line, exposed to COVID, and the white-collar workers were at home. Um, but we – so it was saying we were safe, but, you know, but then we were trying to cope with um, government policies and decisions that put us at home with, you know, childcare, working from home, Home, homeschooling, all these things. Um, and in other countries where they were doing the same thing, I know friends in the Philippines, she was struggling as well. Um, and so it was really successful. In So basically the blue collar or essential, a lot of them are blue collar. Um, of course, we've got healthcare and education, but they were out on the front lines essentially doing the work in order so that we could watch online shows and order food and get deliveries. And it was just a really effective dividing technique because we started fighting amongst ourselves over this demarcation. Um, I think that also um, in in the midst of all of this, we've got a situation where there's a rising arms race going on in the Asia-Pacific region. We're seeing rising violence, which is going along those lines, like we saw in the Solomon Islands just a few weeks ago. Uh, And with COVID added to that, we're also seeing the division between those that trust that their Mm. response is, uh, and this is where the alt-right and others come in, and those that don't. And we see this in the Pacific as well, countries like Papua New Guinea, mm-hmm. countries like West Papua, places like West Papua, where the restrictions of COVID have been tied in with repressive measures against the uh, the, the call for independence in West Papua. So there are a number of uh, bigger shifts that are going on as well that it's hard to keep keep track and keep the the idea of what to do next when things are shifting all the time. Yeah, look, that's that's all good points. That were you going to add something else? To that? No, 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 no. I. I... Agree, that was an excellent point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, look, they're excellent points. And I think, again, you know, it shows the, the, the variety of, of issues that we, we face. And I remember, you know, it wasn't this year, but, you know, last year that, uh, you know, if you look at the Indian government, which, you know, talking about the alt-right 
I mean, they're not even alt-right. They're, they're, they're quite clearly fascist, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which, again, I think they've probably not have been discussed by the labor movement uh, enough globally. When they did the first uh, lockdown last year where literally workers died yeah. of starvation. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or exposure. I mean, yeah. the, I, this was 2020, yeah. not 2021, but the um, immediate and sudden lockdowns that mm -hmm. saw hundreds, hundreds of thousands. You need to really appreciate the scale of India and Indian society and internal Indian migration. Hundreds of thousands of workers had no transport back to their villages when the lockdowns hit and they had to walk and they died en route. I mean, this is, we talk about this in the refugee crisis, but this is part of the COVID pandemic that, like you said, the international movement has forgotten about. And again, this year in India, when Delta appeared and uh, it ended up hitting the poorest and the working the hardest and the, a more virulent strain, which was more deadly, uh, it's, it seems to be that the problems in India, uh, which reflect the rest of the world, are, are not going to get any better. No, everything is is uh, is class based, and uh, and then you put stuff like you know in Myanmar where you know they've got another military coup, and they're just sliding into civil war. Uh, the repression is massive. There's lots of refugees, and again, you know, um, talking about uh, migrant workers and refugees around the region. I mean, again, um, they've just increased. COVID nineteen has just made you know, a whole new batch of them and where does the labour movement go there? It's it's very hard again and I'm not too sure who said it, you know, that we've got so many issues that are coming up and the situation keeps changing and even, um, and I think, Joe, you made the point that, you know, the all right basically just wants to hold on and maybe get a bit more power and, mm. you know, but we are fighting against huge power structures and even something simple as... Um, living wage that everyone would agree to. It's just mm -hmm. so difficult. It's just mm -hmm. so difficult to get there. Oh, come on, some good news. Come on, we've got No, I've, tried, I've been trying to think. <laughs> I will just, I'll just quickly remind people that at 9.30, from 9.30 to 11, we're going to have farewell coffees with Pierre at Ara Cafe, which is 15 Smith Street. It's next door to 3CR. We're inviting all our listeners and supporters, so please come along this morning. You'll get to chat to Pierre. I'll, I'll go sit somewhere else so you don't have to uh, deal with me uh, constantly insulting him. I will do my best good. to honour that promise. Good, good. I've actually known. I've actually got two, two, two points of, of like, you know, of my time. You know, I, I think really, I just want to um, point out two groups of labour activists because, you know, here in Australia, you know, it's hard to organise, and and really, you know, if things go bad, we lose our jobs. Um, but in some countries, and I want to specifically mention uh, the Philippines mm. and Iran, where basically there's an incredible labor movement there that keeps fighting under incredible repression, ongoing, historical, never ending. But they, and you know, you, I take my hats that I don't have on me. Off to them. And one interview I did actually this year very quickly was actually with uh, a comrade in the Philippines 
he was involved in the strike in a in a hacienda in a, in a farm and as i was interviewing him i could hear all this noise and i said to him oh you've got traffic around there i thought you were in a farm and he goes oh no i'm in my office building and these are all the um, bosses thugs on motorbikes just going around and around and around and i go this guy could be killed as i'm mm-hmm. talking t- mm-hmm. to him yeah. and uh, you know it strikes me that you know and you just go you've got to take your head off that some of our comrades overseas and, and even here are just um tough and um relentless and I think I think that's right and I think you know we've by organizing um for transformative change we've all got something to gain but we've all we've we've all got something to lose but some of has a have hell of a lot more to lose than others and it's important to keep that in mind but I think also sometimes the people who have more to lose are the more militant ones in a sense because it's kind of all or nothing at that point that's right. That's right. And uh, didn't you say, Giselle, we've got a world to win? <laughs> uh, I, I think Marx said that and that I was quoting him, but, you know, look, happy to take credit for it. it actually, I've just looked at the time. It's 9.29. It really does mean that's it for all of us. But it is the final nail in Pierre's coffin. So <laughs> There goes the hammer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So actually, thank you so much, Pierre, for being such an extraordinary co-host for, well, I've been doing the show for 15 years. It's been an absolute pleasure and dream working with you. And of course, we get to continue to work with you, though the listeners won't hear you as frequently. Thank you. It's been a a real pleasure. And um, I'm sure you've got a great team to continue. So I'll be an avid listener next year. So um, that's all from me, Pierre Morrow. Jodie. James and me, Giselle Hannah, and um, stay tuned to 3CR Radio and Palestine Remembered straight after this short uh, community announcement. And we'll see you at the cafe.